Thanks so much for joining us. Right now, we're playing some of our best of episodes of our podcast, and we will be back with fresh content soon. Good morning and welcome to Auburn United Methodist Church. We're grateful for you joining us for conversations on this Sunday morning. And today as we gather, I know um, we gather on this Labor Day weekend. And How is that possible? I know, I know, it's mm. September. And we remember our friends along the coast today, especially we know that um, lots of us have connections to people in Louisiana, Mississippi, parts of Alabama. And of course, we remember, um, uh, you know, just the needs of the world. And so as we gather today, I invite us to gather in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we open your word for a time of conversation with one another and with you, we invite your Holy Spirit to be among us, be with those who are hurting um, around the world, especially our friends in Afghanistan and those along the coast, our friends in Haiti, all the needs of our heart this day and, and all of our healthcare workers. Guide and bless us now as we open your word. Um, speak to us. We pray in your holy name. Amen. So we've spent some time individually reading through this, and we've not had uh, time to talk about this. So this is fresh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is one way to put it. That yeah. is one way, yeah. This is, our, this is our, an organic moment. Um, why don't we, let's read it first. Let's read, we're going to read from Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse... 24. And you may recall just before this, Jesus had been talking about the cleanliness of food and law and practices. Remember last week, Kelly, mm -hmm. um, you preached a wonderful sermon in our mm -hmm. services. And today, here we go. He's going to talk about something even different, a little different. but I'll read the first part. Do you want to read the second part? Sure. Okay. okay. So we're starting in verse 24 and it says, from there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then picking up in verse 31, After leaving the region of Tyre, Jesus went through Sidon toward the Galilee Sea, through the region of the Ten Cities. Some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly speak, and they begged him to place his hand on the man for healing. Jesus took him away from the crowd by himself and put his fingers in the man's ears. And then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Looking into heaven, Jesus sighed deeply and said, Epatha which means open up. At once his ears opened, his twisted tongue was released, and he began to speak clearly. Jesus gave the people strict orders not to tell anyone, but the more he tried to silence them, the more eagerly they shared the news. 
people were overcome with wonder, saying, He does everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and give speech to those who can't speak. This is the word of God for the people of God. <laughs> As we read this, um, you know, the setting is still the same chapter that we were in last week. Mm-hmm. Jesus um, was, he was surrounded by Pharisees last week. This week he's surrounded by Gentiles. Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two different kind of folks. Yeah. What, are, what are y'all's, what, what's some initial thoughts that y'all had? I th- this story is every uh, preacher and theologian and commentators uh, kind of the thorn in their side because there's a lot that we're not quite sure what to do with because right out the gate, Jesus with the same mouth says, it's not from the outside what defiles you, but what's uh, in your heart, what's on the inside, says um, essentially, well, the law prevents me from speaking and caring about Gentiles. And so like, I will not feed you, Mm -hmm. um, or heal your daughter. And so it's just really challenging. And then there's kind of this notion that it's the woman's argument or the woman's merit that changes Jesus's mind. And none of us were really there. So we're not sure. Did she change Mm -hmm. Jesus's mind? Was this Jesus's plan all along? Was this a teachable moment, not for the woman, but for the disciple? What's really kind of going on in this story that seems oh so mysterious to us, at least to me? <laughs> There's a lot of questions. To yes, it. lots mm-hmm. of questions. What are your? I think, like I said, yes, there are definitely a lot of a lot of questions, um, and I tend to agree. I guess, or, or tend to like, I should say, some of the commentators who kind of said at the same time Jesus was saying these words about a dog underneath the table, he was kind of smiling and kind of. Uh, or had this um, look on his face that was really made the woman feel, you know, welcome and, and kind of engaged mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and what commentators do tell us is that uh, the word that, that Jesus used for uh, dogs, talking about children and um, children's bread and tossing it to the dogs, is really a diminutive um, case. It's uh, canarium. And it's not a, a stray dog out on the street, but it's really a, a house dog. And so it's almost as if Jesus was saying, you're, you're kind of, you know, in the house. Uh-huh. And, and at the same time, um, Jesus didn't completely shut her out, right. uh, even though it's a little bit uncomfortable to us. And again, there's a lot we don't know. But what we see is that it was kind of a, I don't know, an open door there. Yeah. It's a, it's, um, Definitely a cultural moment where, you know, they're, they're, he's in this culture that, you know. Even we're, a house we're, dog then is not a house dog now. <laughs> yeah. This is tw- 20 centuries removed from us. This is us. not Lolly or Florence no, talking about. No, 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 no. <laughs> not those sweet dogs. The, the thing that gets me is even before she speaks. You remember how the Pharisees surrounded Jesus last week and they were kind of mm-hmm. secretly out to catch him? Mm-hmm. She just kind of, so Jesus goes to this tire, this region, and, and we're not even sure if the disciples are with him. But he goes there, and it says he's there to escape notice. Mm-hmm. He is there to take a break yeah. <laughs> from the crowds. Right. He's there to take a break from the Pharisees. He's there to take a break. He's there to, he needs to just have a day, get away, a day off. Mm-hmm. He goes into this house, we're not sure whose, Maybe it's a retreat home overlooking the sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not sure. Either way, 
she comes in and uh, she falls at his right. feet and she bows down. She does all the worshiping things that the Pharisees mm-hmm. didn't do. Her body language says everything about how mm-hmm. she feels about Jesus. And it says so much about an outsider who she's she's a woman, she's alone, she's from a different culture, different region, Syrophoenician, whatever, yeah. uh, which is... You know, she doesn't have the language of faith, but she shows it by her actions. Mm -hmm. To me, that just says everything. Yeah, I love what one commentator said about her, that um, even though the the word faith is not used in here, that she had an expectant trust. Mm -hmm. And I I love that idea that that faith, um, I think sometimes we use that in, you know, generic different ways or almost Mm -hmm. of, you know, some kind of measurable thing. Um, but that idea of just the expectant trust um, that that God is going to work and, mm-hmm. and her expectant trust that Jesus was going to do um, do something. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you see this great love for her, her daughter mm-hmm. as yes. well. Yes. Well, there's this sense of um, such desperation, the sense mm-hmm. of, oh my gosh, I've got to, I've got to speak up for this one who's hurt. Kelly, in your reading of this, I mean, mm-hmm. not only, you know, kind of her, her um, actions, but anything else out of this that I, there's something, I know you like the, you know, like the, the Jacob wrestling with the devil, not the devil, mm-hmm. the God uh-huh. moment, you know, in Genesis 32, <laughs> yeah. that we've talked about that before. Yeah. There's a sense of that going on here too, oh, right? Yeah. I think, you know, what's really clear here is that the woman is coming to Jesus in crisis. And like, haven't we all been in that moment where we are in pure crisis and sometimes your first answer is not the answer that you would like. And so maybe when we're not quite sure what to make of Jesus's strange uh, response to her, maybe on like a deeper level, this story is kind of a testament of um, how in crisis, sometimes you just have to keep asking. There is something to be said for uh, persistence in mm-hmm. crisis and persistence in faith. You just mm-hmm. have to keep going one foot in front of the other, you know, one breath after another, that the only way to make it through something horrible, like, you know, the sickness of your daughter or whatever crisis in life it may be, you st- you just have to keep going and, you know, Jesus does do the rest eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Something powerful, too, and I I think what you're saying, that crisis where you just do it. You're Uh just there. Mm -hmm. And Charles was talking about expectant hope. That's a nice way of putting it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He always puts it in the best way. (laughs) And I think, you know, when she says, too, Lord, even under the table, um, the the dogs eat the children's crumbs, Mm -hmm. that's almost like saying, God, I just trust you will give me, or, or Jesus, I trust you'll give me what is needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that moment. And give us what we need in this moment and this yeah. time. I think about today, um, folks who might be listening to us through podcast or watching us on a Sunday morning or just visiting with us at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, we all know what it's like to have a desperation moment. Mm-hmm. And maybe today um, someone has a family member or a friend uh, who's suffering with COVID or, yeah. or returning mm-hmm. from war or, or just feeling down. Uh, there could be a million reasons mm-hmm. to go with expectant hope to Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and to show up in prayer and to, you know, fall on our knees or in our, in our hearts to lift up our lives to Christ. And there's something powerful to me about this. As, as odd as this, even though we're, we're 20 centuries removed from that culture and we don't understand the, the, the give and take of the, of, right. of the language, there's something powerful about showing up and, and presenting your case mm-hmm. and knowing that Jesus is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. The thing that's really cool, and I don't understand all of this too, but after he meets with this woman, he uh, he doesn't he doesn't retrace his steps to get back to Galilee. Right. Mm-hmm. He goes through the ten cities. Is your translation? Mm-hmm. Which which translation is that? That was really uh, good. Common English Bible. The Common English Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you read from the NRSV. Yes. Which mm-hmm. says Decapolis, mm-hmm. which they mean the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't retrace his steps. Instead, he goes to all these Gentile cities. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like this woman reroutes Jesus. Mm-hmm. She sends him a new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, in all those boundaries you you spoke about, yeah, uh, you just assume they're continued to be broken down as yes. he's he's in a place of a different culture, different um, all these differences, but yet he's still Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a, a very practical teaching here about how exposure to things that make you uncomfortable really do grow empathy in you. Yes. That's mm. not very spiritual, but it is very practical life advice that mm. Jesus really <laughs> models for us in a pretty embodied mm. and profound way. And I think I think his healings reflect that. He The really interesting thing about... Um, the the healing of the Syrophoenician woman's daughter is that he does it from afar. He never has to touch her. And then his next healing, which happens is he does his great Gentile tour. Mm-hmm. Um, he touches this deaf yeah. and mute man in a very, personal. very personal way. He <laughs> puts his fingers in the man's ears and he put, yeah, he touches his tongue. Oh, it's a lot. Sorry. Um, yeah. So you'd like, you kind of really can track the way that Jesus is, grows in empathy in a way that I think is really lovely and very human of him. I know. I love, this is so incarnational. This is the human (laughs) Jesus. And Mm -hmm. it's it's the part of Jesus that we, you know, can I tell you a quick story? Mm -hmm. So I grew up small churches, Alabama, my dad's Methodist preacher and Washington County. And he was at one of the, one of the little churches he was at for 38 years, Epworth United Methodist. They had they had that old picture of Jesus from the 1940s with the long flowing kind of blondish hair, yeah. and and every Sunday the kids used to love to turn on the light behind it. You know, mm-hmm. you would turn on this perfect picture of Jesus, and sometimes I think that's the per- Jesus is always this perfect picture for us. But then this happens, and we realize Jesus is fully God and fully human, mm-hmm. and there's something so human about Jesus being changed in some ways by a relationship to the fact that he goes and he reroutes everything and says i'm going to all of these people mm-hmm. i'm going to the whole world i mean it, it is yeah. it's mm-hmm. kind of john three sixteen lived out <laughs> mm-hmm. god so loves the world the mm-hmm. gentiles and the greeks are in the jews and yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i think i mean yes 
We like to put the beautiful image of Jesus with the perfect, not even frizzy, flowing, wavy hair on the wall. But in reality, we see this picture of Jesus who is very real, who mm -hmm. spits in his hands and touches the tongue of yeah. the mute man. And that's, those are just two very different images. And sometimes I wonder how we get to the former when the latter one is what we're presented mm -hmm in scripture and is, at least for me, quite frankly, the Jesus that I find way more compelling and life-changing and easy to follow. Very real. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he needed time away, that he was pronounced yes. in all this, yeah. um, makes us see that, that human side, uh -huh. uh, yeah. that humanness of Jesus as well. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I think um, knowing for those of us who Open, our, open the scriptures and take it seriously and care deeply about our faith. Um, there's something profound about the Jesus who meets us in our daily messiness of life because there's some messy things going on here. Mm -hmm. And there's some cities there I've never been to or thought about, but he shows up there. Mm -hmm. And wherever people are listening, living, going through life today, Jesus shows up and invites us to move in, invites us to move our hearts and, and to, and to find, you know, find that connection. Mm -hmm. yeah. What are some thoughts y'all have as we kind of land the plane in our conversation today and, and move out into the world? What are some takeaways that are, are important for y'all? I think Jesus just seeing um, both of these individuals who's uh, on the surface, very different uh, from himself and yeah. from uh, his people in place he, he grew up, uh, and yet um, having compassion um, mm -hmm. for them and uh, and healing them and knowing um, just I, you know seeing them as people as human mm -hmm. beings of, of people of value and worth um, yeah is a big takeaway. Yeah. Um, my mom was clean out our storage unit this week. And so we were all going trying to find what we want before, you know, Goodwill Salvation Army comes. <laughs> um, and so anyway, there were these two um, kind of uh, storage things that they had in their living room and they're just kind of cubes and they're great to put your feet up on or sit on it. There are a lot of people there. And so I told her I, I wanted those. Um, and they're, party. they're stained and have, you know, rusty hinges and they look great. And so I asked her, um, because there are, you know, a couple of antiques, uh, um, and, and I said, well, tell me about this. And she said, well, you know, when I found it, I, um, tanned it and I put linseed oil and I stained it and mm -hmm. worked on the legs. And, um, so I had this thought because it came from a, um, a turpentine, uh, farm or that my great my, uh, Walter's my stepfather's yeah. great uh, or grandparents ran oh my goodness um, and um, or that's the, the house where it was you know before, before Hurricane Michael and you know so I had this great um, you know just desire to know more about the, these pieces that I was receiving I had this idea that they were I don't know, bought in Pensacola, floated down Pensacola Bay, Santa Rosa Sound, Tratahatchee Bay, St. Andrews Bay, and finally arrived at Turpentine still. And so my mom talked about all she did to refinish it, and I said, I said, well, Mom, where did where did it come from? And she said, Pier 1 Import. <laughs> uh, 
you know, it was over there by the mall on 23rd Street in there in Panama City. And so I had this whole backstory. I had this image of going to the Antique Road Show. Yeah, Hernando de Soto. Exactly. I'm sure tell me, yes, yeah. tell me all the story. And it's Pure One Imports. Is you know, make kind of faux furniture there on 23rd Street in Panama City. Um, but I thought about that with the story just if in the fact of I wanted to know this whole story, this whole history. And we know that these individuals, mm -hmm. the woman, the daughter, mm -hmm. uh, this man, and had friends bring them that, you know, that, that people, we all have this whole story yeah. uh, mm -hmm. that goes on of what's happened, where we've come from. Um, and Jesus saw the, the value in that. And even though we have so many questions in the scripture or so many different yeah. takes on it, I mean, that's the bottom line is that Jesus saw value. Um, it concludes with that in the Commerce English uh, version, um, saying yeah. he does all things well. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that just brings such such hope to us when no matter what our stories may be, no matter what our backgrounds yeah. may be. Um, and then it just ties in so much with Genesis 131, um, the conclusion that creation story, uh, that that everything was supremely good, that, Jesus, that God saw oh, yeah. it as supremely good. So it was the idea that Jesus was about uh, remaking yeah. things very supremely good and that he does everything well, no matter what our story is, no matter where we come from, no matter who we are. And that is hopeful. That'll preach. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> in that. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, um, Kelly, have you got any last thought and a prayer for us? There is no topping that. So thank you and thank you all for being with us this morning. We hope you'll join us for worship online in just a few minutes. But until then, let us pray. Mm -hmm. Holy God, we give you thanks for the gift of Scripture and the way your Holy Spirit teaches us about who you are and what you say. So we ask that you would keep our eyes and our ears open for you this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Clergy Conversations with Auburn United Methodist Church. Check back next week for our next episode. For more information about Auburn United Methodist Church, please visit our website at aumc.net.